Thanks for all that great singing, and Joel and Becca, thank you for all those songs about angels. They had asked me a couple weeks ago, or maybe I just jumped in ahead of them, and I said, is there any way we can sing a lot of songs about angels on Christmas Sunday? And so, thank you. You have obliged well. Thank you. This morning, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus once again, we are going to be reminded of how God used angels throughout history to do a number of things, but how he chose to use angels to announce the birth of his son. Just just think of all the options available if you're God and the opportunities you have to announce that birth to everybody living on the planet. I mean, years ago, I thought it wouldn't have been a, would have been a nice idea if he could have rearranged the stars, you know, so that everybody all over the world could see. The stars would all just change for a few minutes, and it would say, my son is going to be born in Bethlehem. And then the stars would all go back. He could have done that, but he chose not to do that. He chose to use angels. Now, before we look at how God used angels, I have an angel story to tell you, a true story, real story that I experienced. It's something that happened to me about 10 years ago when we were pastoring on the west side of Minneapolis. And what I'm about to tell you has only happened to me one time. I'm not here to tell you that this happens to me every year at Christmas because it it doesn't. But it did happen one time 10 or 12 years ago. I got a call in my office. I got a call from a woman who was in our church that told me she would like to set up an appointment with her and her high school daughter. They wanted to come and talk to me. Her high school daughter had experienced something, and they wanted me to know about it. So two days later, they're both sitting in my office, and I listened as that daughter who's in high school told me that on the previous Sunday at church, when 10 or 12 years ago, I was preaching on angels one Sunday, And the teenage daughter told me that on that particular Sunday, she saw two angels in our church. They were 10 or 12 feet high. They had shining white clothes, and they were standing right next to me in the pulpit. Now, I just sat there in my chair in the office listening, trying to comprehend everything that she was telling me. And when the daughter finished telling the story, I didn't know what to say. In all my travels and everywhere I've been, I have heard a story like that one time in Rochester, New York. I, I, I was actually in a home when I was on staff at the seminary. I was traveling, and I was in Rochester, New York, and I was in this couple's house who were friends of the seminary here in Sioux Falls. And that woman in Rochester, New York, told me the exact same story 
She was in church one Sunday, and there were two angels standing beside the pastor. But I had never told that story in church. And so here's this high school girl telling me that on the previous Sunday there's two angels and they're standing here. And up until she's telling me this, I had no idea that there were angels right there. I, I never saw anything. I never heard anything. I never felt anything. I just was preaching a sermon on angels. And she told me after, after five or ten minutes, they just disappeared the same way that they had appeared, and now they disappeared. To this day, I have, I have no explanation. I, there's no way I can explain it. In fact, here we are 10 or 12 years later, and I have more questions today, or just as many questions today, as I had after she sat in my office. And, and here's some of the questions I've had. Um, if that teenage girl saw the angels, why didn't other people see them? Or, or maybe somebody else did see them, but just never told anybody. Um, I've since wondered if there are angels present every week in church, but we just don't see them. I know that the Bible teaches, and that's our source of truth here, the Bible teaches that God is omnipresent, that he exists everywhere at the same time, but the Bible doesn't tell us that about angels. The Bible never says that there's angels everywhere all the time. And if angels only show up once in a while, this is a question I've had. If angels only show up once in a while, and maybe it's not even once in a while. Maybe it's just some people go all their life. I've never seen an angel. But if they only do show up once in a while, why did they show up? on that particular Sunday. Of all the Sundays, why didn't they show up a week before the week after? We served that church. Sharon and I were there for 10 years on the west side of Minneapolis, and it was a growing, bustling, fast-paced life. And I would say that um, we had visitors, a number of visitors, every Sunday. Out of 52 weeks of the year, we had visitors 50 of the 52 Sundays of the year. There was never a Sunday in the 10 years we were there where I would, and the church just kept growing, and we went to two services, and it still kept growing. And, um, but there was never a single Sunday, I don't think, in the 10 years we were there where I could look out and recognize everybody that was there. It, it just Some people came back. Some people called that church their home. Some people showed up once or twice, and they, they just disappeared. So there was never a Sunday, but I, I've thought about this. When those angels were there, were they, what was the purpose in their being there? Was there somebody there that Sunday that needed to see those angels? In addition to that girl in high school, could it be there was someone there that Sunday intending to harm someone in the church? And when they saw the angels, they decided not to do whatever they came to the building to do. And so my questions remain unanswered. But on that one particular Sunday, unbeknownst to anybody that went to church that Sunday except this girl in high school, there were two angels that visited our church.
This morning, I want us to look at the topic of angels, not to see if we can come up with answers as to what happened there in Minneapolis 10 or 12 years ago, but I want us to think about angels because whether you like it or not, or whether you're willing to admit it or not, America is caught up in this thing called angel mania. Dr. Ken Gangle, who's a retired professor at Dallas Seminary, did research, and a few years ago he came out with an article in which he said, and I, I, this had never made sense to me, he said, one out of every ten, top ten secular songs, mentions angels. Now, he's not talking about songs that we sing in church, or he's not talking about songs that we sing at Awana or a youth group. He's talking about secular music. He says one out of every ten songs that becomes popular in this culture, one out of every ten songs talks about angels. And so I went and I looked it up. And uh, some of you cowboy fans, country western fans, are there any here? Yeah, I see those hands. And some of you are willing to admit it. Willie Nelson, angels flying too close to the ground. Ray Charles, Seven Spanish Angels. Sarah McLaughlin, she's got a song, Angel. The Greg Healy Band has a song, Angel Eyes. The band Aerosmith has a song called Angel. Bruce Springsteen, now I know some of you have listened to Bruce Springsteen. He's got a song called The Angel. Our friend Dolly Parton has a song called Mountain Angel. So, I think there's something to his research that one out of every 10 secular songs that becomes popular, one out of every 10 that becomes popular mentions angels. In recent years, all the news magazines have written articles about angels. A few years ago, ABC TV did a two-hour Sunday night primetime special on what they called angels, the mysterious messengers. Go to any bookstore. Any bookstore. You can go to Crossroads Christian Book and Bible Store, or you can go to uh, Barnes and Noble there on 41st and Louise. It doesn't matter which store you go into, you will find a number of books with angel in the title. Last Thursday, I went on my new favorite bookstore's website, Amazon. Boy, it's a lot easier, and they're never out of stock. I mean, that's it, and they ship it right to your house the next day or two. I went on Amazon to see how many books were for sale on last Thursday afternoon with the word angel in the title. Are you ready? 7,000. 7,000 different books with the word angel in the title. When, When they talk about angel mania, we have bought into it. Hook, line, and sinker here in America. Listen to some of these titles. I've got angels in my hair. By Lorna Byrne. I wonder how many people actually buy that book. And don't raise your hand if you tell me you bought that book last week. I've got angels in my hair. I have no idea what that would be about. Here's another one. If don't, don't waste your money on this book either. Interviews with angels, archangels, and guardian angels. No thanks. No, don't, you're not buying that one. Here's one you can buy if you're looking for a book on angels by Pastor Billy Graham called Angels. And then we have the Chicken Soup for the Soul books. You know, there's a, came out with one years ago, and now there's 147 of those books. There's a new one called Chicken Soup for the Soul Angel Edition. It's your money. So, Angels 101 by Doreen Virtue and 7,000 
more books with the word angel in the title. People are obsessed with angels. But here's my question this morning. What do we really know about angels? And, and unless we know the truth, whether it's angels or any other topic you want to come up with, whether we know the truth, there's a good chance we're going to buy into the lies. Okay? So we need to know the truth. What does the Bible tell us and teach us about angels? This book mentions the Bible, mentions angels 300 times. 300 times. Give or take 120 times in the Old Testament, 180 times in the New Testament. The word angel appears in 34 of the 66 books of the Bible, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. So I want you to take your Bibles and let's take a peek. Let's take a look. Let's go for a walk and see what we can discover God's Word says about angels. And since today, this is what we call Christmas Sunday, I want us to think about this question. What role did angels play in announcing the birth of Jesus? So here's the first thing I want us to know. Angels are servants of God. Now, if I'd asked the question before I gave you the answer and said, what do you think angels do? Why did God create angels? And what The answer is they're servants. In your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews 1. And I'm going to read verses 13 and 14. And if you don't have your Bibles, just, you can just listen and follow along with my words. Hebrews 1, 13 and 14 says, And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve? There we go. Sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. Or Psalm 91, 11. I think of this verse, Psalm 91, 11, when I think of that Sunday 12 years ago in Minneapolis, it says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Or how about Matthew 4.11, talking about Jesus. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him, ministering to Jesus. Angels are servants of God. That's what they do. Their servant. Now, let me explain this to you. If you're one of those people, now just relax for a minute. Just, just relax. If you're one of those people who think that angels are these, these sort of these little cherubs who sit there in heaven playing gold harps floating around on clouds, I'm here to tell you, you couldn't be more wrong. That's not what angels do. And that's not who angels are. Angels are servants of God. And not only that idea, not only that these cute little angels with their little crowns that they're sitting there playing harps on clouds, not only is that ridiculous, it's bad theology. In fact, it could probably get, not get more incorrect. Angels are servants of God. There's a guy named John Patton, John Patton with one T, John Patton was born in Scotland in 1824. Now, I just want you to picture that in your mind. Picture Scotland up there on the North Atlantic. 
years 1824, so that's give or take 30 years before the Civil War here in the United States. John Patton is born in 1824. As a young man, he felt God calling him to be an overseas missionary. Now, let's just stop right there. He's born in 1824, and as a young man, he felt God calling him to be an overseas missionary. When you live in America, you somehow come up with this America mentality that if there's anybody going to send missionaries overseas, it's got, they've got to come from America. That, there's nothing that says that. In fact, that's, that's not true at all. Sharon and I have friends that live on the west side of Africa, and, and I asked them to tell me, how did you ever get, how did your country ever become Christian? And they told me that in the 1850s, there were missionaries that came from Switzerland to the west side of Africa. That's how they became Christians. But here's this guy in Scotland who feels God calling him to be an overseas missionary. He got married when he was 32 years old. He married a a woman named Marianne, and 14 days after the wedding, they left Scotland to become, over mission, and become missionaries in a place called New Hebrides Islands, which are 500 miles east of Australia. Now picture that on the world map you have in your mind. We're going to leave Scotland in the North Atlantic. We're going to sail in the Atlantic all the way down past North America, keep on going past Central America. You go all the way down past South America, by the way, that's not in one of those cruise lines like you see in the news here. This is 1858, and they get all the way go around the bottom of South America, and then they go west two or 3,000 miles to the New Hebrides Islands. Can you imagine the boat? Because they felt God was calling them to bring the gospel message to people who had never heard about Jesus. One night, the natives, let me read a story. One night, they're in their house now, a year or two later. And listen to this story. One night, the natives from the island surrounded their home with the intention of burning it down and killing both of them. Now, they haven't done any harm. They haven't done anything except go to an unknown place to tell people about Jesus. And after they're there a year or two, they discover one night that their house is completely surrounded by people from the New Hebrides Islands, and they're there to kill them and burn their house to the ground. John and Marianne began to pray, asking God for his protection. In fact, it says they prayed all night. When morning came, they were amazed to see the attackers walking away into the jungle for no apparent reason. John and Marianne then thanked God for keeping them safe. No explanation. <clears throat> a year later... The chief of that same tribe repented of his sin and came to faith in Jesus Christ. And John Patton remembered that situation that had happened the year before outside their house. And he asked the chief, he said, why did you not burn our house down and kill us that night when you came with all your people? The chief thought he was kidding. The chief said to John Patton, he said, who were all those men that you had there with you? John Patton said, there was nobody there. It was just my wife and I. No, 
<clears throat> the chief argued. He said, who are all those big men standing guard around your house? There were hundreds, the chief said. There were hundreds of big men in shining garments with swords drawn in their hands. In fact, he said, there were so many of those big men with their drawn swords circling the house that we were afraid to attack. Only then did John Patton realize that God had heard their prayers and had sent a legion of angels to the middle of nowhere to protect those two missionaries. Angels are servants of God, and they are obedient in doing whatever it is God asks them to do. Modern history is filled. I could tell you more stories about angels in history, in even modern times, just like that. Angels are not a fantasy. They're not a figment of somebody's imagination, and they're not cute little cherubs that float around on clouds in heaven with their little harps. Angels are real, and they're serving God in ways that most of us will never know, we will never experience, we will never see, we will never know the stories till we get to heaven. And that brings us to how God used angels to announce the birth of his son, Jesus. Point number two, Turn with me to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, here we are, it's an angel. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Verse 30, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Let's stop right there. Do not be afraid. As you read these stories in the New Testament of angels, and even in the Old Testament, there's a common thread that seems to run through most of these stories. And almost without exception, the angel says, do not be afraid. Now just think about that. Based on what that woman in Minneapolis told me, I can imagine Anybody that sees an angel, instantly filled with fear. Imagine you go home after church, and there's a 12-foot angel standing in your living room, bent over because your ceiling is too low, and they're wearing bright, shiny clothes, and they're wearing a sword at their side. And the first thing they say is, Jerry, don't be afraid. Well, are you kidding? We would be scared to death. Listen for this phrase over and over again. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Angel, an angel named Gabriel, went and told Mary that she was going to be the mother of God's son. Go back to Matthew chapter 1. Look at verse 18. Matthew 1, 18. Here's the story of when the angel visits Joseph, the, the new husband. Verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his, mother, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel, here we go. Behold, an angel appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Look at one more passage. Go back to Luke chapter 2, verse 8, where we have the story of the shepherds. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Wouldn't you be? If you're standing, if you're out camping next summer and you've got your campground all ready and all of a sudden you look up and there's an angel talking to me. And an angel of the Lord appeared and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear and the angel said to them, here's what they're not, fear not. Don't be afraid for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, this verse 13 has always intrigued me. And suddenly there was with the angel, one, it's single. There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying. So, I don't understand. Is this multitude of heavenly hosts, is that like a whole army of angels that's up there beyond the one that's here to announce? I'm I'm not sure what that is. And they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Angels are everywhere in the story of the New Testament birth of Jesus. They're everywhere. Number one, angels are servants of God. Number two, Angels were used to announce the birth of God's son, Jesus. And number three, angels are angels and people are people. Okay, I want you to say this, say this with me. Angels are angels. Say it. Angels are angels. And people, let's say it all again. Angels are and people are. Okay, let's say it all together. Let's just review Genesis chapter 1. God created puppies and goldfish. By the way, I'm not mentioning cats. I know Scott loves cats. Cats, when I die and go to heaven, there's no cats. I promise you. There'll be a lot of puppies. That's another topic for another Sunday. God created, let's think about this, puppies and goldfish and elephants and butterflies, and trees, and flowers, and horses, and lakes, and rivers, and angels, and God created people. When people die, we do not become angels. Angels are angels, and people are people. Say it with me. Angels and people Remember that when you leave here. On February 11, 2012, Whitney Houston died. A few days after the funeral, Whitney's friend Brandy was interviewed on Oprah. I won't ask for a show of hands how many watched that show. Brandy was interviewed on Oprah, and Oprah asked this question. How are you coping with her death? And Brandy said, it's difficult, but I know 
She's one of my angels. No, she's not. No, she's not. If Whitney Houston is in heaven, and I honestly, I don't know whether Whitney Houston is in heaven or she isn't in heaven, but if she's in heaven, she's not an angel. Angels are angels, and people are people, and when people die, they do not become angels. Oprah and all of her friends in the media are not our source of truth. Angels are created beings. Angels serve God in whatever situation and whenever and wherever God commands them to serve. And God used angels to announce the birth of his son Jesus. But people do not become angels. Today is Christmas Sunday. Today is the day. Today is the day we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Today is the day we remind ourselves that on that one silent night so many years ago, the world changed forever. And for reasons known only to God, he chose to use angels to announce the birth of his son. And I trust that this week, as you gather together with family and friends, that Jesus will be at the center of your celebration and that you'll be able to remind the people and family and friends that you're with that the reason for Christmas is Jesus. Luke 2.14 says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's close in prayer, and then we'll ask the ushers to come and take an offering. Dear Heavenly Father, if we paused every day, just one time every day, to thank you for sending Jesus, it would never be enough. It would never be enough. We could never thank you enough for what Jesus did for us when he was born in Bethlehem, and when he lived that sin-free life, and then at the end of his life when he went to the cross and shed his blood as the full payment for our sin. God, there's no way we can ever thank you enough. So we just ask that you will graciously accept one more time our thanks. And God, because of our faith in Jesus, we ask that our lives would overflow with grace and kindness to the people we come in contact with. Not, not just to other Christians, but that our lives would overflow with kindness and mercy to people who have offended us, to people who have hurt us, to people who have said things to us that are rude and mean. Lord, help us to be quick to forgive, quick to listen, and slow to get angry. Help us to live our lives in ways that reflect your love to a lost, dying, mixed-up world. God, it's with excitement that we look forward <clears throat> to walking through that front door of heaven and meeting all those people who have gone there before us. 
And to being able to hear Mary and Joseph and the shepherds tell their story firsthand of what it was like to talk to an angel. And God, for reasons and places and situations where we will never know and never understand why and where you send angels to serve you. But God, we believe that you created them and that they're serving you. And we ask, Lord, that you'd be with us this week. Help us to live lives that are, in some cases, incredibly different than the way the rest of the world lives their life. So thank you for Jesus and all he did for us. And we thank you for this offering we're about to take. We ask that we'd be good stewards of all that we have. And Lord, we ask that Crosspoint would continue to be faithful and be a good steward of all that's entrusted into their care. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.